Welcome to Ride the Line, the greatest podcast in sports betting entertainment. My name is Tanner Kern, certified G, bona fide stud, and you can't teach that. In this right here, this is G Money Grant Mitchell. Grant, this is episode 100 of Ride the Line. What a day. Are you riding this morning? I'm riding, Tanner. I'm riding because I'm out on the road just like you, but that isn't going to stop us from doing what, Tanner? The people don't need the picks. No, I messed it up too. You messed you it messed up. up last time. You I messed, messed it up. up. The people don't want the picks. The people need the picks. And we're giving them the picks today right here on episode 100 of Ride the Line. I'm in Florida. Grant is out west in Colorado. We're in different spots. We got a lot of adversity this morning, but we're battling. Grant, tell them why they should subscribe to WSN and Ride the Line. Well, if you subscribe, then you will know things like the Ravens were going to cover the spread against the 49ers. You're going to find all sorts of other cool prop hits. We told you to take the Browns on Thursday Night Football. We told you to take Joe Flacco's passing yards. Tanner and I are here every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, giving out the best betting picks in the sports betting world. Obviously, we got the NFL playoffs approaching. We've been talking about the college football playoff. We've got the NBA season heating up. All sorts of picks. You're going to find them right here. So smash that subscribe button. And without further ado, Tanner, let's go ahead and jump on into the picks. Yes, let's jump into the picks. So my first pick today that I'm going to go with, I think we both have, I'll break it down because I'm the resident Buccaneers fan here. Buccaneers minus two and a half against the New Orleans Saints. Buccaneers have a chance to close out the division this week. I think we're going to see them do that. Against Saints team, I simply don't trust. As far as their offense, they rank 20th in offensive rusher rating. According to Cold Heart Football Facts, 14th in offensive passer rating. Very mid-team there. When you look at this Buccaneers defense, They've been legitimate all season. Vita Vea, Devin White, Levante David, Antoine Winfield Jr. When you read off the list of talent that they have, it's amazing they were 10-1 to to win the division. Now you got Baker Mayfield cooking, obviously. He's been fantastic. And the Bucs defense is top five in the red zone when it comes to keeping their opponent out of the end zone. Wow, I just rhymed there. Pretty pretty efficient, just like the Buccaneers are going to be on Sunday. So I think the Bucs close it out. If they don't win the division, it would be a massive, massive slide because the fact of the matter is they can lose two games uh, or they can lose one of the next two games. So that's why I'm going with the Bucks at minus two and a half. I, uh, I love this one. You said coming into the season, take the Bucks to the win the division. I was with the Saints. I'm holding my hands up. I was wrong. It's not officially over, but the Buccaneers are the better team. They're in the driver's seat. Like you said, they just got to avoid going 0-2. They will clinch this division. But I think they do it this weekend, and I think they can cover the two and a half. You know, this is a, a line that doesn't cross any significant numbers. We're looking for those numbers of 3-6-7. We're not getting them here. The Buccaneers are playing really good football, won four games in a row. Baker Mayfield over his last two games, averaging 332 yards, six total touchdowns, zero interceptions. Like it or not, he has been a top 10 quarterback in the NFL this season. And the one strength of the Saints team is their defense, top 10 in points allowed. Guess what? Buccaneers top 10 in points allowed as well. And like you said, top five in the red zone. These teams played in week four. The Bucs won that 26-9 to on the road. Now they're going to be back at home, this Saints team doesn't really have any sort of consistency. I know Derek Carr wasn't bad in his last game. He was actually pretty good, but I don't trust him to be that here. I trust Baker more than I trust Carr. I trust Todd Bowles more than I trust Dennis Allen. And honestly, I think I trust the Bucs defense more as well. So give me the Buccaneers minus two and a half. I'm just shocked the Saints like haven't been able to get Alvin Kamara going consistently this season. You know, Some weeks he booms, obviously, but they really haven't found that success on the ground with him all year. And it's crazy to think that because he is such a talent there and the fact of the matter is they don't get him going. They don't stand a chance in this game. Give me the Bucks minus two and a half. Grant, 
second pick for you. Give it to me. Yep, I'm going to go with my hometown team, even though I'm not there right now. I'm going to take the Washington Commanders, but I am personally going to be betting against them. I like the San Francisco 49ers minus 12 and a half against the Commanders. Now, this one is in Washington, but that doesn't really matter because there's not much of a home field advantage in Washington anyway, unless you want to count injuries and poor facilities as a home field advantage because that's all we've got to offer at FedEx Field. Look, the Commanders went down 17 to nothing against the Jets in six minutes last weekend, and we just saw what the Jets looked like on Thursday Night Football. I know the 49ers are coming off of a tough loss, but going into that Baltimore game, they had won six straight games by a minimum of 12 points, up to 30 points in some of those wins. This is a commander's team that has nothing left to play for. I, I, it's organizational negligence that they are starting Jacoby Brissett over Sam Howell. You already said that Sam Howell is the future of the team. Whether or not that is true, there is literally no point to playing Jacoby Brissett. He's not the future of the team. Hell, he might not even be on the team next year. He's a backup. You know, I'm not trying to take shots at him, respect to him, but he's a backup. He's not going to be starting for anybody next season. If you're the commanders, either you put Sam Howell out there, see if he's still got it, or let him go out there, suck, lose, and get a better draft pick, potentially a top two draft pick. Maybe you get Caleb Williams. Bottom line is that starting Jacoby Brissett is the wrong move to make, but I don't think it's going to matter. 49ers are pissed off. They still, even with that loss last week, have the best average point differential in the league. Washington gives up the most points per game. They give up the most passing yards per game. They have no run defense to speak of. This is a 49ers blowout win, 20-plus points. So the Washington Commanders are looking to draft Caleb Williams from what I hear, which I mean, it probably might be a good idea if they have to trade up to get him. But like Sam Howell's had no offensive line to protect him. A lot of those picks are because he's trying to force stuff because he's just not protected. But he's still like he's one of the top quarterbacks in terms of passing yards per game. He's throwing the ball down the field. He's been electric in that regard. Just too many turnovers. But you also got to blame the offensive line, too. Oh, 100%. I mean, trust me, this, this is my team, quote unquote, even though it's hard to root for them sometimes. He's, he's been sacked. Like, I don't know. Is he still on pace to be sacked more than any quarterback in NFL history? Probably not because he's been benched, but he's got like eight interceptions and two touchdowns in his last few games or something. It's not going well, and that's just not his fault. I mean, he's thrown just as many pass attempts as nearly any quarterback in the league. That should never happen for a first-year player, especially a guy that's six foot and was drafted in the fifth round. So, you know, I like what Eric Bieniemy has done. He's opened up the playbook and seen what he's got, thrown him into the fire. But they also haven't done a great job helping him. That offensive line certainly bears some blame as well. Sam Howell's just playing like Nerf football. He's just throwing that, throwing it up. Hopefully, hopefully it gets caught. Uh, moving into my next pick here, I got the Ravens at minus three and a half against the Dolphins. Ravens were very impressive last week against the San Francisco 49ers, obviously forced five turnovers. I do want to press the pause button a little bit on this team, though. When you look at them overall, they still weren't great on offense in that football game. It was the defense that went out and won the game for them. They didn't turn the ball over. They were efficient in that regard. But overall, the turnovers were what made the difference in that game. So looking at this week, though, Ravens minus three and a half against the Dolphins. I like the Ravens a lot here because they match up very well against Miami. There's not a lot of holes for Baltimore when you're looking at them against Miami. Miami's explosive on offense. The Ravens can be explosive on offense with Lamar Jackson improvising and then also Zay Flowers making plays for him down the field. Then on defense, Baltimore is one of the best defenses in the league. They rank second in defensive passer rating, first in defensive rusher rating. Miami's improved on defense, but they're still a middle-of-the-road unit in my mind here. So, I just think we're bound to get that AFC East title match next week. 
uh, when the Miami Dolphins host the Buffalo Bills. For that to happen, Baltimore has to win this game. Baltimore's trying to get that one seed, still need to win. I see them get taken care of business in this one. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens won, but I do like the value of getting the Dolphins at plus three and a half. And this is actually my final pick. I'm going to go against you here. I'm going to take Miami plus three and a half for my third pick of the show. Now, I know you said that the Dolphins defense is still middle of the road. Ever since Jalen Ramsey came back in the eight games they played with him, they're allowing less than 16 points per game. That's number one in the league if you hold it to the entire season. Baltimore's number one currently, I believe it's 16.2. Miami in those eight weeks with Jalen Ramsey is at 15.9. We also saw that the Dolphins, who are thought of as a finesse team, were able to go toe-to-toe with a physical team in the Dallas Cowboys, beat them, and not have it be uh, devolved into a shootout, which is something that you probably want to avoid when you're going against the Ravens team. I think that this is a game where we're going to go under. I think it's going to be a little bit, I don't know if I want to say uncharacteristically, but maybe unexpectedly low scoring. And in a situation like that, you know, do I trust Tua or do I trust Lamar to make the big play? Probably trust Lamar a little bit. So again, I would probably expect the Ravens to win this game. But I don't think that it's going to be that sizable. I think Miami can hang tough. And look, yes, Baltimore can lock up the number one seed with a win. Miami can move into the number one spot in the AFC if they win this. They'll have the same record as Baltimore with a better record against the conference and the head-to-head matchup. So I do like the Dolphins plus three and a half for this one. Can't trust them on the road against a good team. On the road against a good team is not not a great recipe for the Miami Dolphins. But I think, yeah, three and a half is a tough number, obviously. I just think Baltimore has that momentum coming into this one. Should be an interesting game. Me and Grant going heads up there. My final pick here, David Montgomery over 55 and a half rushing yards. Dallas Cowboys, really not a great rush defense, allowing 115 rushing yards per game. They do thrive at home, but there's still holes against this team when you know you get a physical team that can run the football against them. Um, they thrive in those like clear passing downs. They're a bit of an undersized defensive front, and that's why they give up rushing yards. David Montgomery more consistent back on early downs rather than Jameer Gibbs. Like Jameer Gibbs' workload has gone up a lot. But still, when you look at the past two weeks, Montgomery has 34 carries. Gibbs has 26 carries. So plenty of opportunities for him to go over uh, this 55-and-a-half-yard line. Detroit is third in offensive hog index from Cold Heart Football Facts. The Cowboys are 12th in defensive hog index. And the Lions have a lot of momentum right now. Montgomery seventh in the league with 910 rushing yards, surpassed this line in four of his past five. I do think the Cowboys – are going to be able to score in this game at home, but Detroit's going to try to keep them off the field by running the football, and that's why Montgomery goes over 55 and a half yards. Yeah, I think this is a very good play. Both these teams are going to score points, but I don't think it's going to be a game where Jared Goff is throwing 50 passes. The strength of Detroit, especially on offense, is they've got speed and they can get production from all over the field, so that is going to work to their uh, advantage, and Montgomery's advantage specifically. And as a former offensive lineman, you know when you're facing a star pass rusher, Run the ball at him. He can't disrupt your pass game if you're not dropping back and giving him opportunities to get the quarterback on the ground. So give the ball to David Montgomery. We've seen that, it, you know, frustratingly at the start of the season, Dan Campbell was ultra committed to Montgomery. Seems to have maybe been the right move because Montgomery's been productive. He's been really good around the goal line. But the bottom line is he's going to get his opportunities. This is a game that I think is still going to go over in its points total. And I'll be betting a lot of overs on player props, Montgomery being one of them. 
Yeah, I mean, Dan Campbell's done a great job working in both Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Like, you look at the production for both of them, they're both having great seasons. They're both getting their carries. They're both performing for the offense. So, really nice job by Dan Campbell. Early in the season, it was a little too much Montgomery. It wasn't enough Gibbs, but Montgomery's the running back. He's getting the majority of the carries. Gibbs is doing both for them. He's catching the ball and running it. So, um, that was the picks, Grant. I want to talk about the comeback player of the year, though, for a minute. Who should win it? DeMar Hamlin, Joe Flacco. And then Baker Mayfield's still in the running, but it's probably going to come down to Hamlin or Flacco. Yeah, I know that this is a popular internet topic, and I, I think, you know, it's hard not to fall into the trap of people aren't being serious, they are just being online. But look, I understand DeMar Hamlin's played in, I think, two games. He has, like, no tackles, two penalties, something like that. The guy died on the field. Like, he died on the field. He made a return not to life to professional athletics, professional football, up there with boxing and MMA is the toughest, most brutal physical sport to play. It's okay to give him the award. Like Respect to Joe Flacco, respect to Baker Mayfield for saving his career, but it's okay to give the guy the award. He died, and now he's back. I think it's fine. I think it's okay to give him the award. I don't think – I think his life is the award. Does that make sense? Like, if we're talking what he's done on the field, like, that's what the award's for. It's comeback player of the year, what you've done on the field. Joe Flacco. I can, no, I can understand that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he really hasn't – like, we're just giving him the award to give him – like, next year, let's be honest, DeMar Hamlin's not going to be on a roster next year. Most uh, likely he will not be on a roster. I, he won't be, he won't be a, a weekly dresser. You know, he, he could be yes, on the – he could – he could be on like the 53 man a few weeks in the season. He could be a practice squad, something like that, but he's not going to be a starter anywhere. No, potentially he, and there's, there's probably a better chance he's not on a roster next year than is on a roster. So that's why I'm just saying like, I, Joe, the Joe Flacco story is unbelievable. And you can't take anything away from DeMar Hamlin. He literally survived dying on the field, but I feel like that's the award for him. And if we're talking like what these guys have done on the field, you got to go with Joe Flacco or even, I mean, Baker Mayfield has been pretty spectacular this season too, what he's done. Yeah, I, I would almost – I don't know if I would want to give it to Flacco. I feel like if that's if that's what we're going with, I think I would rather give it to Baker. I mean, this is a this is a guy that was on, like, three teams in the last year. And he took he, – remember he had the red eye to Los Angeles? He played a game on, like, 12 hours notice. And now he finally finds a home. First overall pick, people thought he was going to be out of the league. He's actually been a top-ten quarterback this year. Um, very much kind of what Geno Smith did. You know, not to the same extent. Baker wasn't on the bench for years, but – I mean, Flacco, Flacco's been good, don't get me wrong, but he's turned the ball over in every game he's played. He's really only played five games. Uh, I would give it to Baker. I think we need a new award. I think we need to specify what these awards mean, too. Like, comeback, what is comeback player of the year? Is it someone who got written off and now they jumped into a role and they're, they thrived? Is it someone that battled back from an injury? Like, I would like to see, like, Iron Man of the year, like someone who battles back from an injury versus, like, comeback player of the year, like the written off award, someone who – really had no chance in the league, signed to one-year deal like Baker, and then performs, and now is going to get a big contract. And you know what? The NFL also doesn't have a most improved award like the NBA does. I feel like that's something that has a place as well. Yeah, you could do most improved for, like, a Baker or a Flacco even. I mean, Flacco, I don't know, most improved, like he's just come out and dominated. But, like, Baker could be a good most improved. Like, what he has done over the course of the season from, like, December on has been spectacular and, like, comeback player of the year yeah that probably fits DeMar Hamlin better obviously because he came back from almost dying yeah I agree I think I think maybe there would be more clarity if we get another award added to the mix 
it'll be interesting though. It'll be the Demar Hamlin stock has gone down in that market. Joe Flacco's has gone up. Like Demar Hamlin opened at like minus six hundred or something to win that award. I think during the preseason, I think he was like minus two thousand or something. Yeah. Now he's minus one fifty and Flacco's plus one hundred. When I checked this morning, it was funny. I saw a tweet. It was um, it was when all the Aaron Rodgers stuff was going on. It recirculated. It was about Demar Hamlin. And it was it was a guy tweeted. He's like, if you if you're not betting Demar Hamlin, like DraftKings or whoever, Fanduel is literally giving away Demar Hamlin comeback player of the year for free. And he like put like a ten thousand dollar ticket down on like minus, you know, six hundred minus seven hundred or something. And then that was when Aaron Rodgers was trending up, which obviously that was just a bunch of donations to the house. Yeah, hopefully that guy doesn't go broke because it's going to get a little hairy down the line. Yeah, definitely. Especially if Flacco can do something in the playoffs, it'll definitely get the public's attention. But anyways, Grant, that was episode 100. Pretty crazy. We're in the triple digits now moving through. What's your what's your takeaway from the first 100 episodes of Ride the Line? Guys, it's been great building a community here. Um, I say it all every show, as does Tanner, but we really do enjoy reading your comments. We love interacting with you guys. Hopefully you've been able to come along for the winning picks. The losing picks haven't upset you too much, but we're going to continue to be here giving out the picks, like I said, at the start of the show. So if you guys want to be locked in and you want to join us for the next 100 episodes, subscribe to the channel, smash the like button on this video, drop some comments, let us know what your favorite plays for this weekend are. And Tanner, you can get us on out of here. Because the people don't want the picks. The people need the picks. That was Ride the Line, episode 100. Make sure you smash that subscribe button. We'll see you on Monday for another episode.